Hey, Evan. What? What does minimum mean? What? A very small mommy. Minimum? Uh huh. That's funny. <laughs> Mini? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 176. And I'm your host, Stephen Dutzman. As always, this is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give everyone the information they need to get their family game on. This week, she's back. The Princess of Power is not on, like, an evening mission, which you were last time. (laughs) I was, yes. Um, I I wouldn't call it a stealth mission because you weren't hiding, but you were away. Um... And, uh, but that's okay, because Tila and I held down the fort, and uh, we talked about all that good, good Nintendo news. There um, was some good Nintendo news. There was good news. Nintendo news, um, because in short, Nintendo is absolutely turbo-murdering everyone, um, in a very Nintendo way. Um, oh, so it's very family-friendly. Very family-friendly murder. Very family-friendly murder, yeah. um, which is appropriate considering the president of Nintendo America is named Bowser. Um, but this week is board game week, and so um, here's what I was thinking we would talk about. Um, you played a bunch of games, um, I and I uh, played some stuff. Specifically, uh, my son and I uh, drafted some War of the Spark, so we can talk a little bit about that. And um, I played Dungeons and Dragons as a dungeon master for the first time in a while, and it took me a little bit to get my sea legs, and so I want to talk to you about that. Um, That's because, awesome. Um, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I have some thoughts and feelings on uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Um, so I think we're just going to talk about games today. It might, it might end up being a shorter episode. There's not a lot of, like, extra stuff to talk about, because no, the board game world has not exploded um, except for the fact that you, I don't know if you saw on Kickstarter, uh, somebody without the license started a, uh, Game of Thrones Kickstarter. Um, and it said in the Kickstarter campaign, your funding will help us get the license. And I was like, bruh, I don't know if you no. know, Game of Thrones is a really hard license to get. No. Number one. And number two... Um, no, you didn't. So, are you saying no? You didn't hear about it, or did I, you, are you saying no? You didn't hear about it, and also no. Yes. So, <laughs> um, how about this? One of the campaign, one of the 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 things that you could pledge for, and he pledged for uh and th- th- it was limited to a hundred of them. Okay, for a thousand dollars. You will get a copy of the game, and apparently it will be signed by every member of the Game of Thrones cast. Now, I'm a logistics person, and so even if all of this were true... Which it's not. Which it's not. He would have to... And now, for $100,000, I think it's possible he might be able to get sick... For $100,000, assuming he already had permission, he might be able to get every box signed by someone. Sure. 100 signatures, 100 autographs from a member of the cast, not hard. Um, They are not often in the same place. So getting all... Like, you have to ship them around. Oh, yeah. It'd be... It, I, I don't... I. That's a lot. I thought about this while I was on the, the bicycle today. 
and I was in the gym and I was thinking about like, okay, let's pretend this is legit. I spent a bunch of time thinking how I would get it done, right? So like, okay, so we know that we, obviously I'm not going to carry around a hundred game boxes. That's insane. So clearly we're going to have them sign like an insert. That's still the signed game. That's fine. Maybe they're going to sign the game board. So I'm going to bring, because, you know, it's a card game is what they're pledging. But, you know, it's got like a, a play mat. So maybe, okay, that's fine. There's, I'm going to have them all sign this play mat. So I'm going to carry around like a briefcase with a hundred of these. And I'm somehow going to convince some actors who are some of the biggest names in non-Hollywood right now. Like these are big name people. They um, are now. Like you, you think you think it's cheap to get Maisie Williams to sit down? You think anyone can get Maisie Williams to sit down? I think she has a little bit of attention stuff going on, so she can't sit down to sign a hundred things. Nope. Um, I don't think she gets out of bed in the morning for less than twenty grand. Like so, the would you if you were Maisie? No, of course not. I'm not no. being so. I. I, I mean, also, wouldn't it be awesome to not have to get out of bed? <laughs> that's my th- that that's what attracts me to that, that is, idea. That is self care. Exactly. So, um, so this this Kickstarter is bananas. Now, what's been an interesting voyage through the board game groups, and this is probably gonna, it's probably going to get torn down by the time this gets published. But what's really going to what's wow. really interesting is number one, Kickstarter approved it. <laughs> Um, which is weird um, considering some of the shenanigans we've talked about them on previous shows Um, well it turns out that those were understandable Uh, it turns out that it wasn't what we all thought it was it was just paperwork errors on Colossal Games fault so it's a little bit so it's not as bad as the the sky is not falling on those issues thank goodness Um, but um, so they approved this one which confuses me um, and people are excited about it. Like, it's getting hype, and people are backing it because they see Game of Thrones, like... Well, yeah. Um, and how many people read the fine print? And uh, so some people are like, oh, my God, how did Kickstarter approve this? Then some then some people are like, oh, my gosh, this has to be a troll. And then the more we dig into it, the more we really think this dude is is convinced that he's got this got this going on. Um, and I think a big piece of it, and this is what I, this is the theory that was put forth by a few people. I, I kind of came to it independently, but I agree with them and I'll give them credit for it. Um, is that I just don't have their name, but smarter people than me thought of this idea first. Um, admittedly, that's not a very high bar, but anyway, um, he, um, I think this guy on like truthfully in his heart of heart believes that um, licensing as is, is as simple as like applying online, like going to like Udemy and taking oh. the Udemy course. So he thinks it's just like you oh, give them sweet money. Summer child. That's I get that reference. Um, and so the um, which is you know topical because that's a Game of Thrones reference. Well done. Um, I didn't know until like three weeks ago that Sweet Summer Child was a Game of Thrones reference. Um, so here we go. Now I get it, and it makes so much more sense. Um, and it's super like mean now that I actually understand it. Um, a little bit, yeah. It's like a Shakespearean th- insult. <laughs> before I thought it was like kind of like harsh, but now I'm like that is infinity shade. Um, so 
Uh, so he, he, this guy thinks he's the tr- he's he's just got it in the bag. And if you fund the campaign, he'll be able to go to whoever owns the rights to Game of Thrones and be like, "Hey, here's a hundred grand. I want to make a card game." And another, I mean, the thing maybe he doesn't know is like he might be able to get the Game of Thrones license, but like that doesn't mean he'll be able to use the actor's licenses on the cards or likenesses nope, on the cards. That's different. That's a different thing. You got to talk to them specifically. There's just. I don't think he has a lawyer. No. You would think Always get a lawyer. Yeah, especially if you're going to try and deal with what is probably the second biggest license on Earth at this very specific moment in time. You're right. It's like Avengers, Game of Thrones, and then a line, and then everybody else. So it's like, yeah. anyway. That's so legit. that's the story of today in hashtag get an attorney um, for your Kickstarter. Um, it's just so crazy seeing that. And then other than that little nugget, which guess what? We just talked about the news. There really hasn't been anything um, crazy going on. So that's why we're just going to kind of roll right into it and talk about the games we've been playing. So awesome. let's just go around the horn and just keep doing that until we're done. Okay. So I have been follow. I follow you on Twitter, which everyone should. I'm at Amanda Farrow. Um, and, um, I saw a picture on yours and uh, Mike Fodder, friend of the show's Twitters, where the two of you were taking pictures of opposite sides of the board because you're yes. that level of dork. Nerd. Um, yes. Dork is also appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I'm the host. I can choose the name. Both of them are appropriate. I, I mean them with love. Um, and uh, you guys were playing Vast. Oh, yeah. So, um, and my understanding, just from reading the context, is that you guys have played a fair amount of vast. So that leads We've me to believe quite a bit, that yeah. you have opinions about it. I have big opinions about I this I would game. love to, I mean, you are good at having big opinions about things. It's kind of what you do. So it's share true. with I me. I have opinions for a living. Yeah, that's your it's kind of your jam. So tell me what you think about vast. So one of the things that I really like about later games is their approach to asymmetrical gameplay. I, it's so hard to do well because a lot of people could just end up, a lot of players around the board would just end up being bored and uncomfortable and irritated waiting for other people to take their turns that have nothing to do with them. And that's been the challenge of asymmetrical gameplay in the past. But I love the approach to Vast. Vast is rich and complex mm-hmm. and still approachable at the same time because our small children play it as well especially Gabe, so our youngest son, he is so into playing strategic games like Vast because it kind of like tickles that intellectual, very cerebral way that he enjoys playing games. So we sat down and I've played as the knight and I've played as the cave and what else have I played as? Is that it? Just the knight in the cave? I didn't get my chance to play as the unicorn. There's like this gnarly unicorn. Mike, what is the unicorn's name? Uh, there's two different ones. I think you're thinking of the nightmare unicorn. The nightmare unicorn. The, uh, oh, from so one of the expansions. That's from one of the expansions. That's right. So we have we have both expansions. So one of the expansions gives us access to really nice, high quality um, tokens, so mm-hmm. that we can put them all over the board and like cool looking dragon. And when somebody plays the dragon, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we played we played quite a bit. 
We haven't busted out the the expansion yet, but I really, really like Vast. I like it because it's a completely different game every time that you play, because you can play with so many different permutations. You don't have to play with a knight. You don't have to play with the dragon. You don't even have to play as the cave. Some, you know, like everybody could play as the cave. So the purpose of the game, depending on who you play as, you know, the knight is trying to destroy crystals in the cave, mm -hmm. and you know, as one does. To you know, collecting treasure along the way, and that's what, you know, they're trying to do. And then they're trying to escape, right? Like, they got to get out of the, co the cave before it ends up collapsing. Mm -hmm. And the dragon is trying to wake up and escape, essentially. Goblins are in there, and they're trying to eat the knight and defeat the knight. And the thief is in there trying to mess everybody else's nonsense up. And... And the cave, the cave wants to grow, wants to grow so large until it's ready to collapse. And then it has to collapse its own crystal tiles without being revealed. So it's it's like a number of different win conditions for a number of different kinds of characters. And it really appeals to those different play styles. Mm -hmm. Oh, the knight is usually trying to kill the dragon, but when there's no dragon, then it's trying to... Then we're trying to murder crystals. I've only played as the knight when there's no dragon. So I was going around trying to like stab crystals, but you're supposed to stab the dragon. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's such an interesting game. And it's not often that you'll find a game outside of something that's really narrative driven that's different every single time you play. Like Dominion's sometimes different. If we want to go way the heck back and go look at some old school deck building games, you know, those are somewhat different. But Vast is way different every single time that you play it. Unless you play it in the same, you know, permutation that you played it the night before. But why would you? Why would you play just every kind of every kind of permutation to see what everything is like? So it's fascinating. It's a fascinating social game too. And I don't normally like social games because they you know, I'm hyper empathetic, so it, it tends to squick me out to get too deep into the empathy side of the equation. But it's fun. It's fun to watch the decisions that other players are making and see how those decisions affect mine and affect the game and the board and the cave. And it's just, it's fascinating. So it's a very, it's a cerebral but approachable game. And if my seven-year-old can play it, I mean, he's a he's a bright kid, but... It's it's really approachable. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, we have it too. Um, Leader Games was kind enough to send me home from PAX with uh, a goodie bag. Um, oh, they're so sweet. Yeah, shout out to them. Um, so I... We haven't gotten to the table yet, largely because we just haven't... Uh, because Linda, our board game editor, who you have met, um, is... Um, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, they are just done with their renovations. And so um, they basically bought a new house and, like, glued it to their current one, more or less. Nice. Uh, so anybody that's been following her Instagram has been seeing that process go on since, like, last September. So uh, we haven't had so many in the way of uh, crazy game days where we've been able to kind of get some of these things played. But that's fortunately going to change very soon. Um, and that is one of the first games that we're getting to the table just because um, it looks awesome. Um, we, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the fact that it is accessible to 
uh, the younger set is that's that's part of the draw now. Um, you know, I knew that you know younger guys, but you know the fact that even a game savvy seven year old can can rock the game sounds pretty awesome. What oh, yeah. roles um, has your little guy played? That's a good question, Mike. Do you remember which roles Gabe has played? He's played as the as the knight. He played as the knight. That was his role. That's the only one yeah. he's played. Yeah. So he's played as the knight, and he he really really likes it. Okay. Um, he was confused the first time that he ended up playing, but once he kind of wrapped his head around the strategy behind it, I think that it's it's good for little ones to be able to really dig into a specific role so that they're not bouncing from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, and they can develop a level of proficiency. So, As opposed to us, we pretty much should absolutely try everything because why not? Of course. Why not play one game but then play multiple games? Exactly, at the same time. Yeah, why not? That that's sounds just a good like, idea. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why that game is um, as uh, is as well-loved as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about a game that I have not played yet, but I want to ask you about it. Because maybe you Please have. Please do. So every Sunday night, we do um, something on our Facebook channel that you can get to by going to facebook.com slash engagefamilygaming or engagefamilygaming.com slash Facebook, because we're fancy, um, and we do what we call Sunday Night Unboxing. This week, um, I had to wait until everybody was in bed, and I actually waited until after Game of Thrones was over. <laughs> um, so I just started recording three minutes before the end of Game of Thrones, and just had a moment with the few people that were not watching Game of Thrones, all three of them. Um, you know, eating pizzelles, because that's what one does. Um, of course. And, because they're amazing. Do you like pizzelles? Do you know what a pizzelle is? I do. Okay. Yes, go. I used to buy them all the time. I buy them every once in a while now. But when I, I because like my mom's side of the family is Italian, so we used to have them all the time. As I said it, I remembered that you uh, had some Italian in, in or around you, so I was like, Lots. "Of course, you know what a pizzelle is." Um, you betcha. Uh, I was. I, we went to a first communion, and they sent me home with a bag of them, and that bag is gone. But the game that I unloaded, um, and they were pretty much just for me because it was the Anisette ones. Um, and I'm the only one in the house that'll eat the anisette ones. My wife prefers them yeah. with lemon in them. I like the anisette ones. They're they're good. That's why you and me are basically destined to be best friends. Um, I love them. They're my favorite. So, um, Century Spice Road. Have you ever played mm-hmm. that? No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Yeah, this is one of those things where um, I was at Target and I bought it. Because it was on sale. Um, and some of my colleagues, specifically uh, Andy and Anitra from the Family Gamers, swear by the Century games. Um, specifically, they call it out as being super similar to Splendor, which is why Ooh. it's on my hype list. Because Splendor is like a top it's five great. game for me. Do you like yeah. So you do like Splendor. I love Splendor. I play it on my phone all the time, too. So, I mean, could you and I be better friends? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so either. I mean, maybe, but maybe. I think that's just years. That's just it's years just time. It's, it's just time. time. Um, the so uh, we're gonna get this one to the tables from Plan B Games. Um, and I mentioned it just because any game that multiple people, um, because we actually had somebody in uh, the Engage Family Gaming community uh, on uh, yesterday when we were talking about what games were played over the weekend, he had mentioned that he had played it, and he specifically said, oh, yeah, it's just like Splendor. And um, 
that's got me hype. I mean, any game that somebody compares to Splendor, that's a really good sign. Um, a really good game. So there are f- three Century games right now. Um, there is Century Spice Road. Um, there is... Um, there's another one. Um, let me see here. Is it in the box? You can't see the box, people. And I apologize. Oh, here we go. We got Century Spice Road. We got Century Eastern Wonders. Um, and there's also Century Golem Edition, which is basically the same game, only you're building a golem, as opposed to, um, you know, trying to collect spices or whatever. And there's a new one coming in 2019, later on this year, Century New World, which is uh, where you are uh, Native Americans. Um... And you're doing stuff, and it's got... Um, I mean, the art is... At, I mean, part of the, the beauty of this game, and you know, anybody that's... Obviously, if you're driving, don't do this, but Google up what these games look like. The art is absolutely astonishing. Um, and it has that similar art, only instead of East Asia or, um, you know, fantasy art, it is, you know, uh, North American frontier, like that kind of art. Um, oh, okay. Which is not celebrated in board games a lot. Um, and, you know, it's it's a beautiful place. Um, and so I'm super interested in it. Can't wait. Um, and apparently they all look very nice next to each other. Um, I only have the one so far. But if you mean to tell me I can get four games that are different enough, but just like Splendor. Um, and it's, this one was... I'd only, like to go to there. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Um, this it only, It's MSRP was like... I think it's like... We got it on sale for like 20 bucks um, because they sell them at Target. That's great. Um, How crazy is Target? This is a total sidebar, but I suspect we're going to do a lot of these. How wacky is it that Target is turning into just south of a boutique game store? It's very interesting. I wrote about it for my friend's website before I ended up getting my job at Game Daily. And it was talking all about how Big Box has really embraced um, boutique and curated, you know, board yeah. games. I mean, Barnes and Noble did it first, yeah, and then everybody else just sort of started to to try that on, and then it trickled over to Target, and now it's at Walmart, and you know, it's very interesting. It's an interesting approach to tabletop. Um, it's. It really, man, it really is. It's and it's so interesting being able to say, you know what, I need to, you know, if you if you can't make it to like a friendly local gaming store, um, being able to just go to a Target or and and find stuff um, mm-hmm. is, man, it's super convenient and useful. Um, and also, like I know one thing I do know from you know being at Toy Fair and talking to some of my board game, uh, you know, PR folks is that Target is actually kind of warping the market in its own way um, because Target is actually um, like really like going out and looking for Target games. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they're funding Target exclusives that might have been bumped off the edge of the the publishing calendar if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, which um, so legitimately, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, it's just, you know, with some of these games, um, and I, I'm trying not to call out certain games because I don't want to say who told me all this stuff. But when you think about some of the games that are exclusive to Target, um, one of the things that 
you know, that a lot there are some folks that criticize them as being oh a little too light, a little too, um, you know, they're they're too gateway. They're not, you know, it, the, Target did that on purpose. Oh yes. Um, and That's very purposeful. And if these games are something <laughs> that you're interested in. You got to remember, maybe maybe you might have liked the theme, but maybe it was a little light. <laughs> Just keep in mind that if Target didn't make this happen, it probably wasn't gonna happen. That's true. Um, you know, so it's not like some weird. It's not like Target stole these games from your friendly local game store. These games were not gonna happen. Um, and it's just how interesting is it that Target of all places is making it so that games happen? I think it's interesting because video games are having some of that same issue now on the PC side, you know, where there's just stuff that might not happen, but now it is because there's, so it's just, it's, it's interesting to see that in the board game space. People have been kind of steady. It's things have been steady for a while. We've had 10 years of Kickstarter. Um, how crazy is that? Speaking of sidebars, 10 years of Kickstarter, 10 years. Um, and I think, hold on, let me pull up, let me pull up my site. Cause I think we wrote about it. Which, Kickstarter? Yeah, so Kickstarter, over the last 10 years, has this helped is, uh, raise a billion dollars in pledges for game projects. So, so that's you, across video games. When you say games. your site, not to interrupt you, but when you say your site, you mean game, you have multiple. I do. So this I is for GameDaily.biz, I'm this presuming. This is for GameDaily.biz, because this is definitely not a super parent thing. So on... On Game Daily, um, a little bit less than a month ago, Kickstarter started releasing some information about what their pledges have looked like. Mm-hmm. So over on Game Daily Biz, one of my news writers, Sam Desitoff, um, wrote about how Kickstarter has generated a billion dollars in pledges for game projects over the last ten years. There have backers have funded nearly seventeen thousand games, and while and we've you know we've talked about some of these games over on Game Daily as well and how. You know, it's been challenging for video games to really thrive yeah. in a crowdfunding situation because the nature of video games is just so... Yeah. It's the nature of video game development is just so different than tabletop, but yeah. with tabletop, tabletop has thrived yeah. on Kickstarter. So it's really, it's fascinating to be able to take a look at some of those numbers and yeah. be like, oh! A billion dollars, 17,000 game projects? That's incredible. It's crazy. I think the big difference, and tell me if you think I'm, again, this is Tangent Central. Welcome to Tangents, the podcast episode. I think the big difference between video games and board games, as someone who has been, I mean, EFG's been around for seven years, so I think I've been around for the bulk, uh, well, I have been mathematically around for the bulk of Kickstarter, and I've been there for Mighty Number 9. I've been there for, you know, like some of the biggest disappointments um i think the issue is board games when they hit an expectation drives excitement and that excitement drives high fundraising and just builds that hype meter board Mm -hmm. games have an easier time responding to that hype because a board game can expand its scope because at the end of the day a lot of them are designed already before they go to kickstarter and Mm -hmm. maybe the reacting to the hype is oh we print out some promo cards we get a fancier box right like some of these kickstarter rewards that are awesome and that people love are as simple like you and i think about it seriously air quotes simple but like sure yeah we'll put you know like we'll we'll do an expansion inside the box of 15 new cards 
Sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Whereas Mighty Number no. 9, they're like, oh, check out our stretch goal. We're going to port our game to every console imaginable. And it's like, no, that's crazy. You shouldn't do that. And because, obviously, you don't, because that destroyed their game, you know, among other things. But it certainly didn't help. And so video games are kind of stuck, whereas they can't really expand their scope as easily as board games. You think Absolutely. I'm... Okay, okay. No, no, you're absolutely right. I think that where the where the problem tends to be, and this is also about thinking about it from a value perspective, is that for games, because a lot of them are just distributed digitally, they don't they don't really see the value in it. They're like, oh, it's just a digital thing. Um, where things tend to fall down with Kickstarter board game projects is if you know things ends up things end up going into production and then things end up getting getting um, going sideways with manufacturing, then there are delays in manufacturing, they have to do reprints and reruns, and they have to yeah. figure out, yeah, so I mean, like, those are those are the big risks. Yeah. You know, as a consumer on Kickstarter funding a board game, it's like, okay, it's, you know, you say it's going to take this long, but how long is it going to take, really, to get through the manufacturing and production pipeline yeah. processes? I mean, and how many, can, I mean, you and I have been around, we, we both backed Kickstarters. I, I'm pretty sure you, you guys have backed Kickstarters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't tend to back a lot of Kickstarters. The last Kickstarter I backed was today, and prior to that it was Armello, <laughs> which was 2014, I think. So Okay. Yeah, but the 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 dude threw two computer monitors sitting there. I know he backed Fireball Island. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, you are more selective, but I know that there's someone with a trigger with an itchy trigger finger well, on their Kickstarter that's... account. Yeah, absolutely. Fireball Island is an exception, though. I backed the crap out of that, too. Well, no, actually, we ended up getting Fireball Island as a a Christmas present, which was kind of amazing. Um, So, yeah, what was the last big one that we ended up... Was it... It's a dinosaur something. Oh, dinosaur uh, island. Dinosaur island. It was dinosaur island. That yeah. was our last really big one. That, that we was a good one. To, that was a good one to get. I missed. I missed that yeah. boat, and I regret it because Power there were a Rangers lot of as well. Oh, and I backed the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game from IDW. Of course he did. And Assassin's Creed. Of course and, he did. And Horizon Zero Dawn. And Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. So I Can't, mean, we we back a lot of board games. I am five hundred million me. of that one billion. Here, five hundred billion of the one billion. Yeah. That would not surprise me. That, that makes sense. Let's get him a T-shirt that says that. I think that is. Um, Kickstarter. Kickstarter should absolutely sell T-shirt. I don't know why they don't sell merch. That's like you know. You can go that... in and they actually have pages where you can go look at how much, how many Kickstarters you've backed and oh, I'm how terrified. many like as part of their ten-year celebration or whatever. I saw um, a friend of mine posting it on Facebook, and he's like, I'm really glad it doesn't show me how much money I've spent. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, did you take the quiz? I did not. There is a quiz that if you answer questions, it'll give you an active project that you will love. Um, Rob Collagian of A Pawn's Perspective and I, uh, we do a live show on Thursday nights called Token Talk with Rob and Steve. Um, and on our live Facebook show, we, um, we took the quiz together. We determined that we were drift compatible. Um, and um, sadly, we did not get a Jaeger. But that's okay. They're big. I don't know where we would fit it. Um, there's too many board games. Um, and is there um, such a thing as too many board games? If though? you want a Jaeger, yes. Um, I guess okay, that's fair. I mean, if you want a Jaeger, then yes, there is too many. And so, um, what it brought us to? 
Oh man, I'm really it's like it tickles me. Um was quote unquote an ethical social media platform. Which sure, I agree that that can exist like on paper. Sure. But like if nobody's there, all you got are your ethics. <laughs> so, um I considered I looked at their tiers and I was like, "You know what? Maybe I'll back them." Um, because maybe it'll give me, you know, like some kind of premier advertising edge or something like that. Like go full on Gary V with it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and um, um, they were very, that was a good reference. Um, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't like cussing, don't look that guy up. Um, but guy cusses he, he cusses a lot. Um, unapologetically so. And so um, it was, it, but it was really interesting. And we were just like, wow, this is not as fun because we were kind of hoping that you would show us a board game. Um, or a video game, or or like, uh, like a nah. like a mouse, or like a no, stupid nothing. leather jacket. No, um, you showed me a social media site. So, um, man, Kickstarter is crazy. I know we did, we've been tangenting it up, folks. So uh, appreciate okay. We're that. We're doing this just for just for you guys. Yeah, just for you all. <laughs> yeah, um, because because Amanda and I would never just sit on Skype and be super random for a, a, an amount any amount of time. Never, never. I've nope. never known us to go on random tangents ever in my whole life. Nope, just every week. So, um, <laughs> I want to talk about a game that I did play. Um, I want to talk about uh, drafting War of the Spark on Friday. I want to know more about this. So, um, I so my son Evan and I went to Hawkwood Game Cafe in Milford, Connecticut, which, by the way, is not that far from you, relatively. Um, and they have craft beer now. Apparently, um, they just got their liquor license three weeks ago. And they are negotiating with breweries and stuff. I'll send you pictures because I don't know what any of it means. I don't drink, um, but uh, they do Friday night like craft beer a lot. Um, <laughs> I understand that, and that's why I mentioned it. It was basically like a bribe, um, but they because um, they are in Southern Connecticut, um, which is surprisingly close to New York, um, and they so they do Friday night magic. And uh, so because it is a relatively small shop, um, they don't do standard, which for. If you don't know what that is, um, follow our board, our collectible card game content. You'll understand later. But basically, they do a draft instead. So every Friday night, it's a draft. It's the same people. Good mix of ages um, because even though it's, you know, they have their liquor license, kids can still come in as long as they're with a parent. Um, and so we were there. You know, it's a good, positive group. And so we sat down at a table of six nerds, two of which being me and my son, Um and we played a whole lot of War of the Spark, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it is, uh, I think, one of the things that really strikes me about this new Magic the Gathering set, the biggest piece is that it's all about Planeswalkers. Um, and Planeswalkers are more or less superheroes in the Magic the Gathering universe, so it was really interesting, like, the week after Avengers came out, to mm. then to then go play Magic the Gathering and have it be dominated by and have every game be dominated by these very specific named personalities, um, and I think that's really interesting. Like the parallels, that's fascinating. Um, I don't know that it was intentional. In fact, I mean, both of them have been building up for a very long time. But like War sure. of the Spark, which is this set, uh, Spark referring to um, the spark in one person is what makes them a planeswalker. 
right? If you have the spark, that means you can travel from world to world in this fiction. Um, fun fact, I didn't know this. You get your spark from, uh, it is like, it's ignited in you based on a strong emotional reaction to an event in your life. Didn't know that. So you have something bad or good happen to you, and as a result of that, boom, you turn into a planeswalker. Totally didn't know. There's like all this story stuff that I had never paid attention to, and that's what's really interesting about War of the Spark, is that it turns out that the thing that really pulled me in was learning about their Avengers. Mm. Um, And... I say this, there are a lot of folks out there that are like, oh, Magic the Gathering, you know, it's a little bit too much for me. I don't really want to participate in that game. Um, I get that, and I don't think anyone needs to, but I would encourage um, folks, if you just like interesting fantasy fiction, um, the Magic the Gathering stuff is kind of interesting. Um, to the point where, as part of our Magic the Gathering coverage, we actually have uh, some new writers starting very soon that are actually going to be focusing entirely uh, every three months or so, just catching everybody up on the story. Um, we're not oh, going to be like writing stories, but we're just going to say, hey, if you want to engage with this game on a casual level, the easiest way to do it is to just like the characters because they're neat, they look cool, and if you play the game, they do really rad stuff. Um so my son and I played, and so um, when you draft with six people, um, you then play against those six people, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because the idea is you're supposed to play against the people that you drafted against because it basically guarantees that your decks are kind of balanced against each other, or at the very sure. least it means your decisions matter because if you pass up on a card, you will see it in someone else's deck um, mm-hmm. because you... You know, you picked a card and you pass them the rest of the pack and they got to have their way with it. So it was um, so it was really neat that he and I played and we both won our first games, which was a lot of fun. And then we ended up at, at our last uh, match of the night. We actually played against each other. Um, oh, right on. Which was um, it was a lot of fun. Admittedly, it was late. He was a little tired, um, but it was really great to have him get a win, first of all. Um, cause he got that like surge of confidence. That's one of the advantages to playing in like limited formats because mm-hmm. you're not going to roll up against someone that just bankrolled their entire deck off of eBay. Um, mm-hmm. cause everybody's got what we had, right? We opened the same packs. We sat at that table. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it's just about, it's your skill in both building the deck and otherwise, um, and so having that little spark of confidence in him, I thought was very, was, was a cool experience for me as a dad. Um, the other thing that I thought was important to bring to the table, cause I mean, we could talk about, you know, mana curves and stu- you know, which spells I liked, whatever, but that's a bit beyond what we're supposed to talk about on the podcast. Uh, one of the things that I really liked is, um, we were in a pod of six guys and Evan only knew me and one other dude that is there regularly. And, um, he... We finished the draft, and and we were all, like, dealing out our cards into piles by color and casting costs and all sorts of stuff, you know, which is what you're supposed to do. And he started doing it. He got a little lost because we were cards that he hadn't used before because, obviously, it was a new set. And um, he had never really used Planeswalkers before. And this is a set where that's kind of problematic because there are tons of them. And um, the thing I really loved about it is that another player, like I was trying to help him, but do my own stuff. Um, And another Mm -hmm. player was like, hey, look, I'm done. I got this. And just sat down next to him and really helped him kind of narrow stuff down without just saying, do this, do that, 
don't do this, like really kind of led him in the right way. And That's great. I thought it was, and it was super valuable for Evan because he heard something not from me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, and you know what I mean, right? Like sometimes you just need to hear tactics or strategy from someone that you're not around all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the um, and I think that that's one of the the real powers of Friday Night Magic and why I celebrate it so much is that a lot of the people that go to Friday Night Magic know that this is meant to be a fun, casual environment. Um, and they took advantage of that. And, and my my son is a better player, and I think he's a better sportsman for it too, because um, he goes. I mean, he got his butt kicked, you know, in his second game. <laughs> right, um, mm-hmm. he got a win, and he got he got matched up against a stud, and the kid just you know took it behind the woodshed and beat him up a little bit. You know what I mean? But like that's what happens in a tournament. I mean, how yep. many? But being able to take that beating and not get upset, I thought that was a really good experience for him. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't I don't know that I have a thesis statement or a point to this other than to say uh, magic is cool. Um, and don't be afraid to let your kids go play Friday Night Magic because I think they'll learn a lot um, in a generally positive environment. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I didn't, I didn't have something like that when I was young. Like my version of Friday Night Magic was you know, my dad's friends coming over and, you know, them bringing their decks and us just playing. So yeah, that's fascinating. I, I that's like a, that. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was somewhat similar. Because, you know, Maybe. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is neat. Like, Evan, you know, my, I get to take my son. We go, we can listen to podcasts on the road. We get there. He can have a pretzel. I don't let him have beer, obviously. Um, you know, they have birch beer, though. It's close enough. It's in a glass bottle. That's fine. That's pretty it's, cool. It's gangster enough. Um, that works. And every, uh, every other week, they have a Smash tournament in the back. Spoiler alert. Don't go on the week they have Smash tournaments because Smash players are loud. I say that as a Smash player. Um, so, yeah, so that's my uh, that was my War of the Spark experiment. I think the other thing I really think is, um, man, is the art on these Planeswalkers so good. Just They just go, the character design, just everything about them is just so cool. Look up the card art. And yeah, just the understand. Art amazing. And I'm not even talking about the alternate art Japanese ones, which are just bananas. Um, I spent a bunch of time looking at which anime planeswalkers I need to buy, and I have a shopping list that is very expensive, and I'm never going to be able to afford the Amano Liliana, Amano being the guy that does the <laughs> Final Fantasy art, because those go for $150 a piece right now. Yeah. And that's only going to get more expensive. Yeah. <sighs> It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, it's, it's a lot for a card that I can't read because they're in Japanese. So yeah. um, what else have you played? Um, What else have I played? Well, our friend came over, I think it was, what, two Saturdays ago, and we ended up playing a bunch of Ast, and we played Beneath Nexus. Ooh, so Beneath okay. Nexus is, it's been out for, a, what, about a year now? I think. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating, it's another kind of asymmetrical game where somebody plays as like the bad guy, quote unquote, and a bunch of other people have to band together to, to take down the bad guy in a number of different locations that have a number of different um, win conditions attached to those locations. And then eventually you got to take down the bad guy himself. And 
you know, between rounds and encounters, you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to heal? And how am I going to take care of my people? And what is our part? You have to think about party composition when you're choosing your heroes to play as because they have very special decks. Okay. And again, it's one of those things where it can be a completely different experience every time that you sit down and you play Beneath Nexus because of you could be, I, I haven't played the same character twice yet because I just want to try everything and I want to make sure that I better understand it. So to be fair, we were very OP and we took down, Mike was playing as, uh, <laughs> yes, Mike. Mike was playing as the bad guy, and we tore him to pieces very quickly. <laughs> Super allowed. Super allowed. Um, but it was—it's great because you have initiative, so you have um, on the card itself, you have you know slowest, slow, fast, fastest, and that gives you you know a good idea of where your initiative is going to be, so you can plan with your people as to which one of you is going to go first. Okay. So, you know, the healers are the ones that tend to go the slowest and the ones that are on the front lines, you know, beating things up and being, like, totally amazing um, spellcasters or they're really into melee. You know, they're in there and they're, they're, they're the fastest fighters. So it's, it's a really fascinating competitive cooperative game because you got to go take down the bad guy but you always, but you also have to take care of your people, because if you all wipe during an encounter, like it's over, the bad guy wins. And who if wants one that? Of you, yeah, exactly. If one of you falls down during an encounter, you get back up at the end of the encounter so that you can do the next one. But if you all fall, I mean, that's it, and it's it's game over. I mean, you need one person with the soul stone. I get that. So. Um, I, one thing I will say to everybody, because I went and looked it up on the, on the Amazon, this game is like thirty something dollars. It sounds like there's a lot of game there for thirty bucks. Um, and the it's a cover, really cool game. Like the the box looks stunning. I love the use of color. The card art is gorgeous. The yeah. card quality is amazing. Yeah, and it uses a really interesting system to keep track of what hit points are. You have an actual card where you slide it up or slide it down depending mm-hmm. on how many hit points you have left. That sounds somewhat it, similar. Is... That sounds somewhat similar to what they do with Hero Realms. Have you ever played Hero yeah. Realms? Yeah. Yeah, that is it is kind of similar to that, for sure. Which is awesome. Um, I want to I want to be clear, I'm not being reductive. I no, think no, no, no. I, I think play, those are... I, I didn't look at Hero Realms until after I played Beneath Nexus. So, I wouldn't have made that I wouldn't have made that connection. If but you the haven't kids played really it. like Hero Realms. Oh, all right, so you've played Hero Realms. Okay, I was about to say I'll bring it to you. Um, because we still, we, uh, we still, we still have to play. Um, there are so many to... things we need to play. I mean, I just have to come over for some some amount of time this summer. We're Agreed. just gonna have to do it. Um, I'd I'd come visit during E three, but you're abandoning me to go to L A. I get it. I get it. Hey man, um, EIC's got an EIC. I know. I'm just giving. I'm. Um, I am just sassing you, and I want to make it very clear. I will continue to do so. Um, but I do it out of love. That's a fair assessment. I do it out of love. So, um, all right, last game that I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm talking about, so you're talking about, like, you're bringing the heat with board games. I'm bringing the heat with other stuff that is board games adjacent. I'd like to talk a little bit about Dungeons & Dragons, everybody. Um, It's story time. Are you ready for story time? Yes. Okay. I wish I had cookies, but I don't. So I I will will drink my water. Yeah, drink your water. It's probably better that we not have cookies because we're on the East Coast and it is late. 
Um, okay. So, um, my, uh, ag- adult friend group is mostly comprised of a bunch of dorks I used to LARP with. Specifically, we were all a LARP team. And so we have... Which is really cool. I don't think that's dorky at all. I think that's kind of awesome. I mean, I think it's both. Dorkily awesome. Dorkily awesome. And so, I mean, we are, you know, all of our kids. I mean, we're aunts and uncles, all of our kids. You know that. Linda is among them. And this Mm is... uh, so. And one thing that we did before we had children that obviously we have not been able to do is uh, play Dungeons & Dragons. Which means basically we missed all of 3. Like, we missed like all of 4th edition and the tail end of 3.5. And so now 5th edition is here. And we have many children between all of us. (laughs) Um... When all of us are together, uh, um, 10 kids. Yeah. 10, maybe even. Yeah. I think it's 10. Um, wow. Ranging from 13 to four. We have two, we have the twins are four. And so we, it's obviously very chaotic for us to be able to play, but, um, my oldest is now old enough to quote unquote babysit. So, we all go to one place. We don't leave. That'd be insane. The poor kid. I I couldn't do that to him. Um, But we all go to one place. He keeps them downstairs. They watched a whole lot of Paw Patrol. um, And, you know, played with toys and, you know, just destroyed our friend's house. And we played Dungeons & Dragons. Specifically, we played the Curse of Strahd campaign. Because who doesn't love Ravenloft after Very all this cool. time? So that's for those that don't know, that's gothic horror, vampires, werewolves, everything is creepy. Um entirely nothing... up my alley. Uh I yes. Yes. Um I I assumed this. Um and so uh we are um we're playing I mean What's great about this is I finally was able to be a dungeon master again. Um, now I'm gonna, I am preparing to run campaigns with my family. Um, that's slow going, uh, largely because you know we want the you know the, the kids got to be involved. We're waiting till summertime for that because um, mm-hmm. that's gonna, we think that'll be a great you know Friday evening type activity. But uh, what what I really love about Fifth Edition is. Um, how very easy it is to use while um, playing with what's what I like to refer to as the rule of awesome, which is if it's awesome, I want it to happen because awesome is awesome. Um, and Dunge- Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is so good to let that happen. Um, I think it's a little weird in some cases in the gothic horror setting, um, just because it's not meant to be awesome. Sometimes it's meant to be super creepy. Um, but we make it work. Um, I uh, the ease of running this game, um, just because of the way that the the book is laid out, um, which is something that they never really did well. Um, you know, I always struggled with them. Um, you know, as a dungeon master, reading this book mm-hmm. has been much easier. You know, everything's pretty clear. My only feedback, or the not even feedback, the only thing that I just started noticing is that they don't give you the stats for all the monsters. They assume you have the monster manual. So I caution folks, don't you, you got to get the, the monster manual. You do. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be making up stats, and you will kill players if you make up your stats. Um, and, I mean, if that's your jam, go for it. Um, it is been... We don't want to judge you. Yeah. So um, we are... We, we finished our second game 
this past Saturday. Um, and we always end up playing a little later than we should. Um, mostly because of the, the big fight at the end. Um, but I will say, um, man, um, of the campaign settings, I would say that Ravenloft is the least appropriate for children. It is, yeah. But mainly because it's super dark. Um, but most of the other ones are, you know, one of them is kind of like a Norse, fantasy setting another one is just generic fantasy a lot of those super great super easy uh the water deep game um mm-hmm. it's also super great lords of water deep is fantastic and th- they have a uh they actually have a campaign book that is set in water deep there are two of them one of them is actually a heist that is done within the city, entirely within the city of uh, Waterdeep, and then there is a follow-up book that is for higher levels that is under the Mad King's Mountain. Um, and like they they're meant to continue off of each other. It's just super fascinating. Um, I can't speak highly enough of Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, especially it's fantastic. Um, you know, because I have run games for my kids, and they. They take to it very easily. Um, and two of my friends um, who are really kind of detached from the ner- nerd world mm-hmm. um, and um, haven't played in since third edition, I was able to get them up to speed to being able to play and participate and not just participate, but contribute um, mm-hmm. in 10 minutes. That's now, great. Now, they're not dumb people. No, of course That not. helps. Um, right. But like being able to say, okay, this is how this game works and get them up to speed in 10 minutes is, was just so, it took just such a weight off of my shoulders. Any other game I would have had to spend a week. I would have had to go over to their house and like teach them step by step. Whereas here it's like, here's a character. I made you your characters. Um, and, you know, because I did that for them because they got other stuff going on. So I'm like, I'll make you your characters. I made them twins. They are dwarf, warrior, and cleric. So I also cheated and made it so that the party had a tank and a healer. Um, I'm good. Not, That's not cheating. Papa That's ain't raised. Papa ain't raised no fool. Um, without them, they missed the first game because of a death in the family, which is super unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their party comp without them. Uh, a gnome, wizard, rogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A half elf bard. A I played as a halfling bard. Bards are amazing. Bards are amazing, but bards are phenomenal. Bards are a great fifth man, not a fourth man, right? Yes, they gotta be like they're really good support. I mean, like you can also build a bard so it's more of a battle bard, which is kind of what I did. Okay, well, this this guy didn't do that. Um. (laughs) A, okay, a a Did dragon a dragonborn sorcerer, which is fine. Oh, that's sweet. that's that's powered appropriately, mm-hmm. and a barbarian druid, a no specifically a gnome barbarian druid, who I describe as a cross between David the gnome and William Wallace, because he's just barefoot in a kilt with a stick. Of course. Um, but now, well, they leveled up because milestone leveling, which is my favorite thing in tabletop role-playing games, which is you get to a point or you do a thing and you gain a level and mm-hmm. nothing else matters. Um, so now he can turn into a bear. So now it's fine. So now he's a, get it, wait, hold on, let me say this. He's a barbarian. 
Bardbarian? Nope, not Bard. He doesn't have levels of Bard. Um, right. That's later. Um, I'm trying to convince him because he's not a coward, but he's a barbarian. Oh, get it. Okay, I get it. So I'm the bear board. jokes are, um, they're unbearable. But uh-huh. that's just what we do. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of 5th edition. Can't say enough. Another thing that I did not realize how much I would love them are the spell cards. Um, have you seen those in the, in the store on Amazon? I have, yes. They are very good and very useful um, because I think, you know, anybody who's played a wizard or, you know, something like that in a tabletop role-playing game that just sat there with their player's handbook out flipping through pages, it is so much easier to just have your cards out in front of you because we're all just so used to that from other games. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, pretty awesome. So, yeah, I'm just plugging a bunch of products. The good news for everybody is um, we, you know, Amanda knows this because she and I talk almost every day. Um, but you listening may not know, we're actually going to be covering tabletop role-playing games on EngageFamilyGaming.com um, starting, you know, we're going to be building this up over the summer. It's like a whole new vertical, just like we're doing with uh, card games. So we're going to be talking about these cool products like the the spell cards and various other things talking about the different campaign games, etc. So if you, if any of this sounded interesting, but you don't want to go learn about it yourself, don't you worry about it. Wait until say June or so, maybe after E3 <laughs> and we're going to get started. Um, spoilers, just about everything stops until E3. Um, and then afterwards yeah. I get to have a whole new world. Unless you're in business, in which case nothing stops, because right now is earnings calls. Yeah, pretty much earnings calls every day until uh, 11, 11 o'clock at night, and then maybe you get 15 minutes of sleep, um, and then they just start all over again. That um, sounds like a day for me. Yep. Not literally, but close. Yeah. So um, what else have you been playing? Um, what else have I been playing? We played, we actually, speaking of Fireball Island, we had not busted it out for the parents to play yet. Yeah. So it was, so we sat down and we played and I totally trounced everybody. It was amazing. I never win. Like winning games is just something that never happens for me because I'm just, I don't know. I just, it just never happens. Uh, but I totally won at Fireball Island. I, I Even if I didn't win, I really enjoyed how simple it was to pick up on it, how easy it was to move around the board and understand, you know, like, oh, I can go in this cave and go pop out at this other cave, and it might be a little random, and maybe I'm going to do some damage in the future, but oh well. Yep. Also, I'm going to hurl fireballs at you and <laughs> and totally wreck your time. I did that a lot. The men weren't very happy with me. They well, were I mean, not so much. <laughs> that's what's crazy is. Um, what's crazy about that is, I don't think we've played it with only grownups either. It's fun with only grownups because you can swear at each other. <laughs> um, the well, I mean that that that's the truth with all games. True, true. You're right, though. Um, but it's weird. Like, I, I think that's an interesting... I wonder... Because all of my group... Every opportunity I have had to play that, it has either been the kids playing it themselves with, like, a grown-up kind of watching or mixed company. Like, I haven't... I'm, I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to have to try that. You should. We just haven't... That's just so weird that I've viewed that as, like... Even though it's a game from our childhood... Um... Or before your childhood, 
Um, yes, that would have been before mine, sadly. Um, I mean that because I mean that as to say that you're not as old as hell as I am is really what I'm saying. Um, it's okay. You still have I'm not your. Offended. You still have your youth. I don't. Um, the um, but it's it's. Like, it's just so weird, despite the fact that it's, like, an old game, right? Like, I haven't played it with old people. We're going to have to fix that. We're going to have to fix that. You are definitely going to have to fix that. I mean, it, I, I got it. It's, it shouldn't be super hard. Um, I say that knowing that it's going to be hard, but that's fine. Um, so, I think we have... Um, I, I think... Because I know you have to fly to Canada... I do. I'm going to Toronto tomorrow. I'm going is, to jet set to the other side of the 49th parallel. Um, which is how long of a flight is that? Is that is that it's an hour, an hour and a so half? So it's a puddle jump. You're you're not. Yeah, it's. I'm not going very far. Okay, that's good. I was like, how long is that fly? Like, when I hear fly, I assume like fly to L.A. Like, but you're not really. No. Um, it's just. No, I'm saving than... my flight to L.A. for E3. Thanks. Yep. That's a. That's and that's a good couple weeks away, so uh, I, you know, it's. I mean, I'll I'll have barbecue in your in your stead. Um, okay. So, um, folks, this has been episode one hundred and seventy six because I need to let Amanda go to sleep and or pack. Sure. Um, yes. So, um, this has been episode one hundred and seventy six of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Amanda enjoyed recovering or recovering, recording. I don't know where recovering came from. You know Um, what? It's fine. It was a long day. It's been a long day. We're definitely recovering. This is our, this was our relaxing time. Go figure. We're working. Um, So the, um, this has been board game week. We talked about a whole bunch of board games that we have played Um, next week. It's video game week. And we're going to stare, we're st- both of us are staring E3 down, uh, like we're staring down the barrel of a loaded gun. So guess yeah. what we're going to do? We're going to stare down the barrel of that loaded gun. So we're going to talk about what E3 is going to look like this year from a family gaming perspective. So it's just a little tease for next week. Um, spoilers, we're probably going to talk about Star Wars a little bit and whether or not that actually will count. Because I think it will, but it might not. Who knows? Um, and who knows Um, we also get to freak out about whether or not we get to see Animal Crossing Um, so seriously it's going to be a lot of yelling about Nintendo a lot of being afraid of whether or not Nintendo will disappoint us Um, so until next time folks I only have one favor to ask right now normally I say share the podcast review us on iTunes no none of those shenanigans you have one task and that is like Engaged Family Gaming on Facebook. That's it. We are, here's where we are right now. I'm clicking the Facebook page as we speak. Because we have been growing. We're at 1,660 um, Facebook followers. And we're trying to get to 2,000. I would love it if we could get to 2,000 by the end of E3. And now I say E3 because we'll be producing a lot of content during then, which will hopefully reach more people etc but you can help so share it out with your friends do the do the thing um because we've been sharing a lot we've been sharing some killer content uh that people have really liked and i know that because i have statistics that tell me that they have um so yeah until next time folks hope you guys have a wonderful day and don't forget to get your family game on bye
Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.